Blog Talk Radio. And then I said to the guy, well, is Pavel Montrade responsible for Scherzer's thinking in the last couple of starts? Uh, hello, Nats Town. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports page and FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. I've got Dave Nichols from the District Sports page on the line after another loss, the fourth straight, 8-5 to five Giants tonight in AT&T Park. Dave will start with a disappointing outing by Max Scherzer. Five second half starts before tonight. One and one with a 3.90 ERA, 3.87 FIP, 248, 309, 439 line against, and 30 innings pitched. After he put up a 2.11 ERA, 2.23 FIP, 183, 2.14, 2.99 line against, and 132 in the first half. Trying to play the role of stopper tonight. Took the mound with a one nothing lead, but gave it up real quick. A one out solo home run by Matt Duffy. One to one at that point. Back-to-back doubles by Brandon Crawford and Justin Maxwell in the second. Two-to-one Giants. Um, Gregor Blanco and Matt Duffy doubled as well. Five-to-one at that point. Six-to-one in the third when he gives up a home run on a first-pitch fastball to Hunter Pence. Out after three innings tonight. Just not a good outing for Max Scherzer when they really needed one from him. Well, you mentioned the 130-some-odd innings pitched uh, before the break, and it's almost as if, um, you know, when a pitcher logs a lot of high-leverage innings uh, early in the season that it catches up with them at some point. And, um, you know, I'd say it's caught up with Scherzer pretty well. I mean, he was not very good tonight, uh, um, but he hasn't been um, particularly sharp for a while. In his last seven games, he's got a 4.54 ERA. Um, you know, it, it's hard to complain about what Max Scherzer has done for the Nationals this year, um, but he is obviously uh, wearing out. Um, you know, he's made two starts in, in August. He's got a 525 in that, in that stretch. Um, you know, if you look at his ERAs by month, uh, 126 in April, 167 in May, 233 in June, 340 in July, and now five and a quarter in August. So, uh, you know, it, it's apparent that um, that he, he is either wearing down due to the, the stress of having thrown so many uh, so many pitches and so many innings in such high leverage situations uh, in the beginning of the season, always pitching within a one run lead or loss um, at any one point, um, or you know, and this is a thought that should send shivers down any Nats fan's spine, something's wrong with them. Um, we certainly hope that that's not the case. Um, but, you know, this is what this is what we're left with. I mean, at this point in the season, as, as the Nats' um, playoff hopes uh, tumble nightly, um, we're left to nitpick uh, one of the best players on the team. And, um, and unfortunately for Scherzer right now, it just doesn't look that good. As big a game as this is, and I'm going to touch on this, theme several times tonight as we go along here, but 49 pitches after two. He's down 5-1. The spot in the order comes up in the top of the third. You let him in to hit, bring him back out for the third. First pitch fastball to Hunter Pence. Home run, 6-1 to one at that point. Uh, he clearly didn't have it in the first two innings. I, I, why won't you have two long men? You have Tanner Roark. You have Doug Fister in the pen capable of giving you multiple innings, even though I'm sure you're not desperate to turn to Doug Fister at this point. But after 49 pitches and five runs in the first two innings, I think four or five doubles off of him and a home run, why bring him back out for the third at that point? It's unconscionable, frankly. Um, 
you you only have so many at, at bats left. Um, he'd already given up five runs in in the first two innings. You mentioned forty five pitches. Um, I know they've got a short bench because they're carrying an extra pitcher, which uh, is solely due to try to rehabilitate Doug Fister. Um, so you might as well do that. I mean, Fister pitched well when he did come in tonight, but um, but yeah. uh, Williams went to him too late. I mean, at that point, you know, there comes a time when you need to preserve. Um, the pitches in your star pitcher's arm. I mean, Max Scherzer, uh, more than any other player on this team now, is the face of the Washington Nationals. He's the one that's signed for the next five years. I mean, Bryce Harper's not even signed for the next five years. So to, to allow Scherzer to go out and and continue to throw pitches in a night where he clearly doesn't have it and waste it at bat um, when you go when you when you have two long men, one guy specifically solely. Um, to try to rehabilitate him so that you you purposefully have a short bench, um, it was unconscionable to allow Scherzer to come back for the third inning. Yeah. Two innings later, I was definitely slamming things in my house, much to the annoyance of everyone involved. <laughs> but uh, Bryce Harper hits a three-run home run, and that you know, without that extra home run, you have a tie game right there. I know you can't rely on things happening the way they happen. If you go a different route, it just doesn't always work that way. But it ends up being a one-run game at that point, six to five because of that extra run after Harper hits a three-run home run. Giants end up going on to win eight to five in spite of a body start by Matt Cain with a smooth transition there. Returns to the Giants rotation on July 2nd after elbow surgery last summer. 5.59 ERA, 5.11 FIP, 3.03, 3.69, 5.57 line against, 37 innings pitched so far since he returned. 3.69, 4.40, 600 line against in his last three starts. He's down one nothing early after Michael Taylor walked, stole, uh, moved up on a sack bunt, <laughs> scored on the sack fly. We'll get to that in a minute, but. Danny Espinosa took him deep for an opposite field blast in the fifth that made it 6-2. and two. two outs later, Harper with the three-run home run, number 30 on the year, cuts it to one run, 6-5 to five at that point. Not a good outing from Kane. The Nationals did what they could, scored four runs, five runs off him, but wasn't enough after the blow-up from Scherzer early. Well, no, and they didn't do themselves any favors. I mean, you mentioned the sacrifice bunt in the first inning. I mean, that. <laughs> I'm floored to try to describe how how poor a managerial decision it is to ask your number two hitter, a guy that's hitting over 300, to sacrifice a guy to third base with no outs in the first inning. I'll just interrupt you real quick, real quick here. The Earl Weaver line that I pulled up at that time, if you play for one run, that's all you'll get. That's all the Nats get. They get a runner on second, no outs. After Michael A. Taylor is a walk and stolen base, and they use Escobar, 300 hitter to bunt. Harper flies to right. There's two outs. You get the one run, but that's all you get. It's just unbelievable in the first inning in a game when you just need to score runs. You need to get the offense going. Yeah, you know, we we I made a mistake uh, several years ago now um, describing uh, a a coaching decision as being stupid. So I won't do that to you. However, this the decision to ask a 300 hitter to bunt with no outs in the first inning to bunt a guy over to third base with no outs in the first inning is just it's just mind blowing. It's staggeringly incomprehensible why someone would ask somebody to do that um, and waste it out, waste the first out of the game. It just 
<laughs> I don't have an, I don't yeah. have enough words to describe what I feel about that. Uh, yeah, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> we'll just move on before one of us gets ourselves in trouble. Hey, how about that Bryce Harper home run? 30th home run of the season, just a huge hit at that point. Got them within run one run at 6-5 after four and a half. ESPN Stats and Info's uh, Twitter feed noted he's the first left-handed hitter to hit 30 home runs in uh, age 22 or younger season since Boog Powell with the Orioles in 1964. At that point, basically, there wasn't a bigger swing this season. Bryce Harper, you know, doing everything he can to help the Nationals there, just absolutely crushed a fastball from Kane. Hit it to right center, pretty much the deepest part of the park in AT&T Park. It was first home run in 15 days, so a good sign there from Harper and 30 home runs on the season. Just super impressive at this point, even though it ended up not being enough. Right. Well, I mean, that, that's that's the case, isn't it? I mean, it, it wasn't enough. I mean, the Nats were able to score five runs against a guy that, uh, that has been doing that routinely this year, um, but they were in too big of a hole early. And um, not only were they in too big of a hole early, but they couldn't keep it close late. I mean, the, the whole reason for the Nats that the Nats went out and traded for Jonathan Papelbon was to move everybody into a role that they should have been more comfortable with, move Thornton up an inning, to move Jansen up an inning, um, to, to, to be able to use uh, Roark and, and training in low-leverage situations. And what did the Nats go out and do tonight? They, they were... They were down by one run going into the sixth inning, and they gave up a run in each of the sixth and eighth innings, and there's just no coming back from that. And the whole reason that Rizzo went out and traded for Papelbon was to avoid what happened tonight from happening, and they couldn't do it. Uh, you know, um, in the sixth inning, you know, it's just a it's, it's a case of, of, you know, Thornton just not, not getting the job done, unfortunately. I mean, a guy can't be perfect every time out. But the eighth inning, you know, they, had, they sent Papelbon out for work, um, you know, gives up gives up a, a swinging bunt, just completely ignores the guy at first base, allowing him to steal first, and then or steal second, and then the bunt single where he didn't even bother trying to field the ball. I mean, this is this is the point where um, you know where fundamentals matter, and you've got a guy who does apparently nothing except except you know try to record three outs or earn a save, and when he doesn't get a chance to do that, he doesn't bother fielding his position. He doesn't bother um, watching a guy who we allowed to reach first base, watch him to, to keep him from stealing. Um, you know, a lot has been made about how, how poorly the Nats have played over the last two and a half weeks or so since the trade deadline. Um, it, it's coincidentally when they, when they, um, when they traded for Papelbon, but it might not be such a, such a coincidence. I mean, you talk all the time about um, how decisions – made by the front office affects the clubhouse. And, and, you know, you and I aren't in there on a daily basis, so we don't know. Um, A lot of times the daily reporters that are in there on a daily basis don't know. Um, But the the fact of the matter is this team has gotten worse since they traded for Papelbon. Right, whether it's coincidence or whether it's an effect in the clubhouse, there's no way to tell. But what do you think about, since we're (laughs) – Tiptoeing around Joe Posnanski's article tonight, calling it the worst trade of the year. Uh, what do you think about that article in general? I know it was getting passed around during the game while this was all blowing up. He says that you know you're trading for a closer when you have someone in store and who's not only having a great year but is also a great story, a homegrown talent who's fought his way back from disappointment twice in the postseason, fought his way back from the disappointment of having Soriano brought in the first time they brought in another closer, even though Rizzo said at the time that, you know, he thought he could mentor Soren and 
bring him along and try to add stuff. From from all reports I've heard, even though he wasn't big with the press and big with the fans, Soriano was a good mentor for teammates. I know we both talked to Aaron Barrett, who said he learned a lot from him. But what do you think of Posnanski's story tonight, calling that the worst trade and saying that it has disrupted things at the National? Well, I think it's fantastic. I mean, it, it, it's nothing that, that wasn't worried about when when the transaction was announced, right? I mean, we, we talked about this ad nauseum when the trade went down and, and have talked about it since. Um, you know, Jonathan Papelbon is probably one of the least likable players in the major leagues right now. I mean, I don't think that's, <laughs> that's any argument. And I think he would probably say the same thing. I mean, he is a guy who is brash, abrasive. I mean, he... he, he you know, he grabbed his junk in front of the, the hometown fans in Philadelphia. I mean, this is the type of guy he is. Um, so he is a very divisive player. And it's not shocking to see a national baseball writer, especially someone as well-respected as Joe Poznanski, write something like this. I mean, he's a guy that um, that has his pulse, you know, uh, you know, has his finger on the pulse of baseball. Um, if, if, if Joe Poznanski is willing to put his name on, on – that type of writing, then, then who am I to discredit him? I mean, it, 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 it carries a lot of weight. Um, it, you know, it, it is the case. I mean, Storen had the job. He'd been doing the job. He'd been doing it very well. Um, and he hasn't done his job since Papelbon showed up. So whether it's, it's, it's you know, causal or coincidental, um, we don't know. But we can look at the data points and say, okay, Storen was very, very good until Papelbon got there, and he has been very, very bad um, since Papelbon has arrived. And in correlation, the Nats have been very bad since Papelbon has arrived. Right. And you can also point to the use of Storen at, at this point. He pitched four or five days, like four out of five days, or, you know, might be overuse, might be Storen not reacting well to the trade. It's impossible to say unless he comes out and says it, but certainly doesn't look good from the outside looking in. Uh, just go back to that. Maybe I'm alone on this point, but it really bothered the heck out of me. Uh, one run game in the sixth, Thornton comes on. You get the one-out double by Gregor Blanco, who steals the ba- who steals third, a ground at the first. Zimmerman steps on the bag, throws home. Nice play. Uh, maybe Zimmerman should have gone home first. It looked like Blanco was breaking from the, from the start, but Zimmerman makes a nice throw home. It looks like they get a close play at the plate. I'm sure they looked at it quickly, but it's a 6-5 game before that run, a 7-5 game after it. This is, you know, season on a, in the balance kind of talk at this point now, even though it's only August and who knows what's going to happen down the stretch, but the Nationals are reeling for sure. Uh, do you challenge that play, or am I the only one who thinks you at least just take a chance there and make them look at it again and hope something comes up? Well, sure. Um, I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, I certainly think that it was worth another look. My biggest problem on the play, though, uh, was the physical part of it. Was Zimmerman looked a second to start, and, and that cost him the out. I mean, if you're yeah. if you're going to if you've got the idea that you're going to try to get the double play um, first and then get the tag get home, um, then that's what you have to do. You can't screw around and look at second base to think, oh, do I have time? to get the double play that way, oh, no, um, i got to go to first and try to get the double play at home. That's not how you do it. You know, if, if, yeah. if you're in a one-run game and don't think you're going to score, um, you know, two more runs, then you've got to cut the run down at home plate, whether that loads the bases or not. Um, his hesitation looking at second base cost him the double play. He had time to go to first 
and then go home. Uh, he just chose not to. Yeah. Matson's uh, Dan Kolko quoting Max Scherzer and says he attributed his bad outing. Uh, another tweet came up. Attributed his bad outing to poor habits with his arm action that built up. Confident he can fix it before next start. Let's hope that's the case. And Max Scherzer gets back on track after a few rough outings he's had here, or at least less than spectacular, which is what we've come to expect from him. One last note here, the Nationals did switch up the lineup. They generate seven hits, five runs. Danny Espinosa comes back out of the abyss, wherever he was the last couple of weeks, hits an opposite field home run, get things started for the Nationals there in the fourth, fifth, whenever they scored four runs. Uh, you switch things up, you still lost your fourth straight. What do you do tomorrow if you're Matt Williams or Jason Worth, Anthony Rendon, Wilson Ramos back in the lineup, Clint uh, Robinson, Espinosa, Lobotron, <laughs> Lobaton, I'm sorry, just call him by his nickname all the time now. What do you do if you're Matt Williams with this lineup tomorrow trying to afford your fifth straight loss? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, uh, look, Danny Espinosa is hitting 244. Um, yeah. Clint Robinson's hitting 274 with an on base of about 290. Um, these aren't guys that, that you should be clamoring to get into anybody's lineup, let alone a team that is quote-unquote contending. Um, the, the problem is is they've got too much invested in Worth and Rendon um, and, quite frankly, Wilson Ramos to allow them to sit on the bench. I mean, this might be a, a day off, but I don't sincerely think that um, that Matt Williams thinks that Danny Espinosa is going to be a second baseman down the stretch. I don't think that he thinks that um, the, the Lobaton over be a catcher down. Yeah, um, you know Lobaton's hitting two oh two. I mean, it's not yeah. like it's not like he's got a guy hitting three thirty. You know, sitting on the bench and come in and, and take somebody's spot. You know, um, it, it might be a day off for work to clear his head, um, for Rendon to, to clear his head. But man, did Rendon look bad in that pinch hit uh, against Romo? I mean, he just none of those pitches started on the plate, let alone finished on the plate, and he just whiffed him like he was trying to swat a fly. I mean, it was just um, one of the worst at-bats I've seen Anthony Rendon take in his major league career. Yes, and one of many at-bats where I've seen against Romo where people look that bad, but certainly kind of surprising from Anthony Rendon, who we're, we're used to seeing put together solid at-bats no matter who he's facing. But the Nationals drop an 8-5 decision, their fourth straight loss. They had a chance to pick up a game on the Mets, who lost before this game even started. Uh, they don't pick up a game, obviously. 58-57 and 57 on the year. Two more with the Giants. Gio Gonzalez on the mound tomorrow night. I'm flipping in through my matchups here because I don't remember who's pitching for the Giants. Before I wrap up, I'll find that. Jake Peavy. That's trouble. Another middling right-hander. <laughs> Nationals Crips tonight. 58-57 on the year. Nats Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports page and FederalBaseball.com. 10-05 start tomorrow after 2 10 one, so don't miss the first inning. Nats fans. Dave, talk to you tomorrow night. Get some sleep, folks, and hashtag free Trey Turner. Doghouse says go Nats. He's probably saying it very angrily right now.